Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. Back in action after a uh, pretty hectic couple weeks for the Brendel family, I'm sure as you guys have all seen and uh, heard. But we're trying to get back to some normalcy here, so we're going to do a double dip today. And we're going to have both David Simone on here in the first portion of the show to talk some football. I'm sorry to all you football guys. Uh, I know things have kind of slipped as... uh, I spent two weeks sitting next to a hospital bed in a very uncomfortable chair. Not that my problem was anywhere near my wife's, but you would think they could get more comfortable chairs. They make a lot of money. Dave, we should talk to people about that. If I sold chairs, I would, I would try to sell them to hospitals because those things are not they're not very comfortable. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're we're trying to finish strong here. As we come down the home stretch, the Bearcats with two final games remaining this Saturday at East Carolina in lovely Greenville, North Carolina, and then uh, at home at noon uh, next Saturday against the Yukon Huskies. Hopefully, Dave, this is an opportunity. Dave Simone, of course, and then Justin Berg will be joining me uh, when we conclude the football conversation. Um, hopefully, Dave, these are two wins they can get. Yeah, uh, you know, in full transparency, I was traveling to Nashville this weekend on Friday, so I was able to listen to the first half of the Temple game, which was clearly not the half to listen to, and didn't really get to see much of the game, but it appears that they kind of reverted back to the issues that had plagued them earlier in the season with slow starts and then figuring it out in the second half, but it just being a little too late. But yeah, these two games, starting with East Carolina, like I know it's on the road and they they won at Tulane, who I think is better than East Carolina. You, You have to win this game. They've been playing better, uh, of late and, Granted, the schedule hasn't been as tough when you don't have to play UCS and South Florida and Navy all in a row and what have you. But like you, like for as bad as UC fans might think this season's going and maybe not living up to even what they thought in the first year of a rebuild, it's pretty staggering to see, especially defensively, how bad East Carolina is. I'm, I'm just going to throw a few numbers at you. 129th total defense in the country. For those that don't know, that's out of 129 teams. Is that bad? It's bad. They are giving up an average of 554 yards a game, which, to put that in perspective for UC fans that think the defense has struggled this year and saw them get worked by Marshall and get run on by Navy and UCF going right down the field in the first half. That is a hundred and forty-two more yards a game on average than UC has given up this year. It could be worse. East Carolina has given up seven and a half yards a play. <laughs> like that's that's hard to fathom. It's it's second and a long three. Or a long, a long two. Time. A second and a long two on average. Wow. That's nuts. They've given up 60 touchdowns, which is actually not the worst. San Jose State 
has given up 62 touchdowns. <laughs> but, I mean, like, it's hard to have defense that bad. How do you give up seven because, and a half yards of play? I mean, I yeah. guess, obviously, like, if you looked at their their big play numbers, it has to just be insanity. Well, they've had 734 plays run against them, which is on kind of middle of the road. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a ton. Well, it's middle of the road of the really bad defenses. Like, UConn is second to worst. They've had 802 yards run against them. Or 802 plays. San Jose State has had 887. But, like, Louisiana Monroe's only had 658 plays run against them. And they're they've, they're giving up 500 yards a game, but so basically, I mean, I'll I'll get into it a little bit more. You know, I'll look splitting it up. But I mean, anyway, you cut it. 550 yards a game is 550 yards a game. I don't think it's like oh, we're only giving up 100 yards rushing and we're giving up 450 yards passing. Like, yeah, it, it, rush it, It's all bad. It's all bad. First defense, 124th, 247 yards a game rushing, have given up 31 touchdowns and almost six yards per carry. <laughs> wow. Let's, let's get to, uh, we'll go uh, team pass efficiency defense. Because I think that's a better barometer than, like, passing yards. Because you can get, Right. Full crap passing yards. But how are you actually against the pass? Uh, dead last. 129. They are giving up a pass efficiency number of 177.84. Oh. Opponents have thrown for 25 touchdowns and only six interceptions. And through nine games have thrown for over 3,000 yards. On 202 completions. That's bananas. That's insanity. Yeah. So their defense <laughs> is awful. Like, you could literally, in almost every aspect, you can say, that's the worst, and you're right. No, nope. <laughs> I mean, they're literally the worst. They're dead last in total defense. They're dead last in pass efficiency defense. And they're fifth from last in rushing defense. That's crazy. That's and they've only, which is, this is a, a stat that we don't like. They're tied with UC for 123rd in sacks. So they've only gotten 10 sacks. So all those times teams can pass on them, they've only gotten 10 sacks. That's not good. It's not good. Let's, so what I'm let's, trying to say is. You see better offense, win this game. You see better win this game and the offense better be able to come out and actually do something. Because there's no reason to think that East Carolina will provide much resistance. A bunch of three and outs, and I'm going to be very concerned. Yeah. Very, very concerned. Highly concerned. Absolutely. Offensively, they're incredibly heavy throw. Yeah, we knew uh, that. Which could be a I mean, problem. they're throwing it. Yeah, that hasn't changed. They're throwing it. I think they're throwing it even more now than they were before. I mean, I think they threw it 52 times or at least their starting quarterback threw it 52 times last week. Their rushing offense numbers are almost dead last. They're barely 
uh, rushing for over 100 yards a game. It's uh, 123rd at 106 yards a game, 3.2 yards a carry. So, I mean, they're going to throw and throw and throw. So, I know, you know, we had a little bit of trouble against Temple, even in the cold climate, uh, stopping the pass. So, hopefully things maybe get uh, turned around a little bit this week. But you could see, could definitely see a shootout. Yeah. Do we know what the weather's going to be like? I think it's decent, like 50% chance of rain. Okay. Which would, any any sort of weather like that would benefit UC. Yeah. I mean, you'd, as long as, you know, and Fickle said uh, yesterday that Dokes had been, he had a little bit of a shoulder injury. Um, he had practiced uh, no contact uh, on Monday, and they were going to see how he would go throughout the week. You would have to think if he's back, he could have a field day. I think all three you of them could have a field day. Uh, probably not, but maybe back. Okay, maybe me. maybe back in my younger days. Maybe me. Yeah, I like to tote the rock. But yeah, I mean, and I would think that you know. But yet again, we didn't really see it on Friday night. Um, I I figured based on the numbers and the success UC had had in recent weeks that they would go run heavy early and they, they didn't. Right. But I mean, I think Hayden Moore has been playing much better of late. I don't see why he wouldn't play better against a team that can't stop the pass. Yeah. Uh, I anticipate ECU giving a redshirt freshman corner, his second start of the of his career. I think his first one was last week. I think I think they're in a little bit different situation than UC is. Um, from what I've read, they have maybe moved towards the playing the young guys more earlier than Coach Fickle has. Uh, I think maybe because Scotty Montgomery might be trying to save his job and he can at least try to say, look, here's what we've got. You know, we these guys are getting reps now and we're building for the future, where I think, you know, up until last week, obviously, you see we're still trying to make a bowl game. And I just don't feel that, you know, even with the way that the season has gone, that there's been any give up in this team. And I think that's a testament to the players and also the coaches. It's hard. I mean, it's hard, I think to keep a team motivated when you're not going to a bowl. Right. It's very difficult. Or the, or the season's not going the way you planned. Even if you are going to a bowl, maybe you had high expectations and you're, you know, not meeting them. So I think it says a lot about a lot of people that they're still in it. I just don't know, you know, what – what kind of talent and everyone's kind of learning as they go this year. But this week against a bad team, I mean, they're a bad team. They've won right. one game. Yeah. Yeah. UC's won three and one was against Austin P who's been a very big surprise, even catching some 
national publicity because of what they've been doing and how their coach, I think, is like 15 years old. You could see that, though, with them. Like, you could kind of see that that day. That that, like, I'll put it that, like, the, the UT Martin game last year, you could tell UT Martin was terrible and Cincinnati was struggling with them. Like, that, it was just right. terrible, terrible football. That Austin P team, you could tell they had some, some guys that could go. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, they're playing their backup quarterback, too, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, East Carolina's one win was a three-point – no, they won twice. They actually beat BYU. My God, right. it's so awful this yeah. year. But their, their two wins were a three-point win at UConn and a 16-point win against BYU. Um, they lost by 20 to James Madison, 36 to West Virginia, 47 to Virginia Tech, 30 to South Florida, 24 to Temple, 42 to UCF, uh, 25 to to Houston, and then seven last week against Tulane at home. Yeah, not good. It's not good. No. Um, one thing I want to talk about before we, uh, we we transition to Berg and some basketball, um, the, the good news is I think we're seeing kind of the future at corner with uh, Marquise Taylor getting a start last week and looks to be one of the primary guys of this youth movement that will be coming into place next year, especially in the secondary. Yeah, it's definitely important because that's really – I mean, I've kind of broken it down just – Looking towards the future, you know, you get caught up in that when you're not having the best year. And it's really outside of losing the two tackles, it's the only position where they lose multiple contributors. Everything else is, you know, wide receiver Devin Gray, uh, running back Mike Boone, tight end Tyler Cog. I mean, it's really just like one yeah. player. Um, it's the only players, one where you. Important players, but what, just one guy. Yeah, I mean, they're all important players, but yeah, you're not like depleting your depth at a, a singular position except at corner where they'll have to replace Pierce, Stevens, and Coleman. So it's nice to see, uh, whether you're a freshman or not, just someone who's going to be on the team next year and you would look to contribute. It's nice to see them start to contribute this year because they're going to need to slide in there and probably be, you know, one of the starters right away along with, if we're guessing right now, probably Marquis Smith and Anthony Johnson, the transfer from Penn State. It would be my guess as who the three uh, top corners would be in spring practice. You could see a Kobe Bryant maybe sneak in there. Um, right. I, I just didn't know if maybe they were going to play him. He's such a big dude. Play him at safety or not. Yeah, it'll, that part will be interesting. Um, to see where some of those guys that have now had a year in the system where they shake out um, between safety and corner because one there's a there's a bunch of young guys and talented guys you know Kobe Bryant and Derek Forrest have played all year on special teams um, do you maybe move them you know put them at corner because you're you're gonna be looking for bodies there um, or do you put them at safety and you know, you'll you'll have um, Clements, but um, so you'll still have Carter. Murphy. You'll still have Murphy. Yeah, I mean, they should be pretty okay. And you'll have Wiggins, who has played some. 
uh, one you can of always, Wiggins. You can always move Gilbert back there if you needed to. Yeah. So safe, but, yeah, I mean, there's, I think, there's bodies at safety. That's why I'm curious right. to see if, if, you know, what shakes out with maybe having one or two of those guys at corner. But that's for a couple of weeks, you know, two months from now when we're getting ready for spring football and, and getting ready to uh, kick off the uh, the following season. But we've still got, still got a couple games left. I just wanted to touch on that because I think, you know, that position specifically in a pass-happy league for the most part, uh, it was kind of important to figure out what's the next in the line of set succession. Uh, we've seen Smith. Uh, now we've seen Taylor. Uh, and that kind of gives you a hint that, that those two guys are going to be pretty important in this thing going forward. Right. And I think that that might have been a little bit of a change in their recruiting philosophy because what we been told – you know, several months ago during the summer, really, as they were getting commits is, you know, we were only looking at one more DB, we're only looking at one more DB, and then they kept adding DB. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so maybe they, you know, as they were preparing for the season or or into the season, like when they got the, you know, Jalen Jackson um, commitment, maybe they realized, man, there's a lot more throwing yeah, in this league than we even thought. Maybe we do need to bring in some more guys that maybe we're not sure if they're a corner or a safety, but they're going to play somewhere back there. Berg, your thoughts on the the state of the secondary and the Cincinnati uh, football defense? I have zero thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I couldn't name you any of the players. <laughs> but what were your uh, Marquise Taylor made his uh, his first start as a Cincinnati Bearcat on uh, last Saturday. What did you think of his performance? <laughs> silence. He went silent. Silent treatment. I thought you were Dave. sticking with Simone. I thought that was for Simone. No, I know what Dave thinks. We've been talking about it for five minutes. I wanted to know what you thought. Yeah. He had, he had an interception, Berg. Oh, all right. Was it an important one? Did it help the team win the game? No. no. Well, no. It was on the second play of the game. Oh, okay. It well, could have been hey, important. But, yeah, overall. I, I apologize, but I, I'm, I'm just I'm all basketball. I just I don't have the brain capacity for football in my life right now. That's all, that's all right. I want I want to know who who am I going to watch? Who am I watching for Coppin State tomorrow night? That's what I'm here for. Yeah, Dewan Clayton is like a little mini James Harden for them. Lefty number thirteen. Does he have a beard? He's smaller. Uh, not as not not anywhere near like James Harden. <laughs> But he attacks the rim and he can shoot it and he's and you know Juan Dixon is their coach, so oh um, really? That's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's about as interesting as I can get on that team at this point, though. Uh, David's great sitting on press row. Um, Berg actually because he spends so much time watching these guys and watching them on Synergy, all the opponents, he starts to get a couple guys that he likes and he like kind of pulls for them during the game. Yeah, I did. I, well, I did do that when they're the down day. like forty, yeah, he's hoping that they hit a couple shots. Like that well, little, I mean, if, the little yeah. white guy for for Western Carolina, Berg, like yeah, Halverson, yeah. Berg, did a thing for him. Yeah, I mean, the only reason he's in the game is to shoot threes, and he somehow got seven of them off. <laughs> I just was like, whoa, Matt Halverson, all right, like that's in. You know, like, you just. And I, 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 it's fun to see the guys after I've been doing all the research on them, like Darice Parks coming back from an ACL, and he made a couple of nice buckets. And I'm like, all right, how do I Darice? 
and they're well, not going to win. You're I'm way better, better man than me. Is there is not a shot in hell that I would watch more than one minute of Savannah State or <laughs> Coffin State or as John Calpari said last night, Popcorn State uh, video. Yeah. Well, you could you could watch Buffalo right now if you want to flip over to ESPN three. They're only up by four on Jacksonville State in the second half. Oh man. That's UC's next opponent after Coppin State, Buffalo. Gonna hurt our hurt our RPI. <laughs> nah, because nah, I think Jacksonville State's gonna be like they beat Richmond by thirty three the other day. I can't believe it. <laughs> Berg Berg has a new friend, best friend, Dave. Did Did you see, who's, who's that? Did you see who he got to oh. sit next to at the game? Oh, my man Chuck. Yeah, they they were like right. they were like peas and carrots. <laughs> they sat there and talked basketball the entire two hours. Yeah. Well, well, it's funny because he he's been broadcasting every pretty much every game that I've been watching since I was ten years old. So we went all the way oh, back yeah. to Herb Jones and then just made us all the way back to his guy Trey Scott, who he loves right now, and uh, and Keith Williams are his two guys on this team. But yeah, it was fun. What'd your dad have to say uh, about that? Was he geeked? He he said I, I was watching you the whole time on TV. I guess they I guess you can see us on the screen in the top right of your picture um, on the when they're going left to right on the screen. Yeah, and he's like I I could tell from your bald spot. <laughs> <laughs> he hardly talked. Hey, just, he hardly talked to me at all, Dave. I was chopped liver. Well, that makes sense when you think about it. <laughs> uh, all right, Dave. You got anything else on football? Uh no, I don't think so. Not not tonight. Are you are you going to be in town this weekend to watch the game? I am in I am in town this weekend. You go out of town more than any human I know. Really? No, my aunt goes out of town all the time for work. But like, I feel like I go out of town a a normal amount of time. I feel like I'm doing a lot of crap all the time, and I very rarely get a weekend to just only watch football. So this weekend is that weekend. Well, you enjoy I have that. No, I have nothing to do. Tennessee doesn't have a coach anymore. I know. It's fabulous. What are you going to do when Lane comes back? Just throw a party and <laughs> wish he never left. <laughs> <laughs> we um, have won a national championship by now. We'd probably already also be on probation, but it would have been worth it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I, I, firm believer in, hey, you can say you took that banner away, but I remember it. Yeah. Like, like, have, like using UC as an example, if they won the national championship and then got put on, like, three years probation, would anyone care? Yeah. Berg I think would. somebody would care. Berg would care. <laughs> I wouldn't. I mean, obviously the enjoyment of it happening, would, I think it would be right. diminished over time, though. I mean, I... I I don't know. It would it would ha- it would leave a sour taste. I I would think. Depends on what they did. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. All I don't right. know. None of my, my none of my teams have won have won anything worth since 1986. So and that was baseball. I don't even like baseball. All of your so, teams stink right now. I know. It's the it's well, I think it's because of Butch. <laughs> Butch did he, it. He went from my team to my team and has polluted all of my teams in the process. <laughs> That's hilarious. So he's finally away from all of my teams. Fantastic. You're free at last, free at last. 
That's right. Indiana stinks at basketball. Yeah, Seton Hall's pretty good too. I'm a big Angel. Indiana will be fine. I'm a big Indiana will be just fine. I'm a big Angel Delgado guy. He's a horse. I like that guy. All right, Dave. We'll talk to you uh, next week to preview right, UConn and the final home game of the regular season and set that all important Dave Simone over under for noon versus UConn. Oof, that's right. Hey, whenever we talk to UConn, that means I can talk about Kevin Ollie, so I'm excited. All right. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Thanks, brother. See ya. See ya. All right. Let's get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the season, the football season is about to come to a merciful end. It's it's not been fun. It's not been a, yeah. a fun season to cover, but I think uh, I do think Luke has him in the right direction. I think things will get turned around. Um, hopefully they can go out. Yeah. Hopefully they can go out and win these last two, finish the season at five and seven, and uh, and feel a little bit good about themselves going into spring football. Speaking of feeling good about themselves, one hundred points in back to back games, Justin. I know you're disappointed. There haven't been enough dunks in two one hundred point games. Yeah, that's for, that's definitely true. Only four total is what I have on my dunko meter. But um, yeah, I mean the the first game wasn't as efficient as the second game because of the turnovers and three point shooting percentage against Savannah State was I believe thirty three. But um, the other night against Western Carolina, I don't. It was really hard to find anything that you would have a problem with from the UC side. They played fantastic they, on both sides yeah, of the ball. Yeah, I mean other than your buddy Halverson getting loose a few times and. And, uh, and and some some non boxing out at times. There, it was it was a clinic. 102 to 51. And I made the comment to you during the game that it just felt like in the past UC might have scored 79 in that game, maybe 79 to 50 or something, or maybe into the 80s. But yeah. 102, the pace, just just lacing it. The pace wasn't crazy. No. What was it? 74 or 77? 77, 77 yeah. possessions. I mean, that's up and down, but it wasn't up in the 80s. Like, it wasn't a wild pace of play game where you, you get over 100 pretty easily. They were 1.32 points per possession, which is phenomenal. And they held Western Carolina to .66. So not only cool. did they double them up on the scoreboard, they doubled them up in points per possession. Yeah, which makes sense. If it's yeah. double on the scoreboard, it should be, yeah mathematically but um yeah so that, and, and we can go through it i mean there were some there were some expected performances like a jacob evans with a nine six and six assists and then you had a mamadou diara who has nine and six and no turnovers so we didn't even know if he was going to be redshirted or not well it doesn't look like he's going to be because he can't be and um he really from game one to game two was made quite an improvement yeah, Mick said, and we we I asked Mick about it after the game, and Mick said he had a talk with him, and and I I guarantee after the Savannah State game, Mick had a talk with him, and I guarantee you it was Mamadou. Look, like you just can't make mental the mental errors that we're telling you go against the way that we do things every day in practice, and then you come out in the game and and you try to catch a pass one handed. And it goes out of bounds. What One of the main things, you've been there a couple times, one of the main things they always talk about, play with two hands, two feet. If you're going for a layup, get up off two feet, play with two hands. You don't finger roll, you don't catch passes one-handed, you don't pass one-handed. And it, just the simple stuff like that, as long as he can figure that kind of stuff out, the kid's skill level is so high. So high. 
And he's so long and tall and athletic, and he runs the floor like a deer. And if he can just get that mental side of it in check a little bit more and do the things that Mick wants him to do, there's a place for him on the floor on this team this year. Yeah, and you saw he he was much more patient. He didn't force anything. He he knocked down a 15, 16-footer in the first half because he caught the ball. He's like, hey, I'm open. I'm going to step into it and nail it. And he cut to the basket on the backside and, and you know caught a pass for a dunk to get his first bucket. And um, and then even on defense, I noticed from him was he got switched out on the perimeter, moved his feet, stayed in front, made it tough on the guy. He rotated. He kept his hands up, um, wasn't getting any crazy fouls. And, and, you know, when, and the other thing that I saw was when he grabbed rebounds, he kept the ball up high before he passed it to somebody, which is something that even seniors <laughs> don't do. Uh, so he, it's amazing the the, um, you know, from game one to game two for him, but, uh, yeah, obviously a world of potential. And then another guy that, that was fun was Trey Scott with his three of a kind six, six and six game. And, uh, you know, he, he really, that was the thing that Mick talked about in recruiting. I know we've mentioned this before, but his ability to pass and just he knows how to play. When he plays within himself, he can be effective. And, and that's your, I don't know, ninth, tenth man. So the depth really just uh, is starting to show early on. I know it's against some inferior competition, but it just seems like there's so many weapons and, and not a lot of liabilities at this point. Yeah, is there anything that that you've seen through these first two games that surprises you, or that has surprised you, or caught you off guard? Hmm. Maybe. Well, I know Keith Williams that move that he had at the end of the game with that left hand in and out dribble to the left hand finish. Uh, I, I mean, I, it doesn't really surprise me, but it was it was pretty smooth. I didn't know that he was that advanced with his ball handling ability. Uh, we've seen Trevor Moore. Uh, guard and move his feet and um, and kind of get a feel for the uh, the help defense as well. So, and I think just the, the 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 freshmen are further along than I thought. I guess that would be my main surprise. Are you surprised that Trevor Moore struggles to shoot open shots but makes every contested shot? No, because I think that happens with. Other shooters, I've heard that about Kyle Korver. I know LeBron James was talking about that the other night with him, and I thought of Trevor Moore when I heard him mentioning that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think just because if you have an extra second, it might throw you off a little bit. You may be – anytime you get into your brain, and, and I'm I'm definitely somebody who has a lot of experience with this, it, it, it can affect your performance. And so if you don't have time to think and you just use your – your muscle memory, then you're going to be probably more accurate, I would think. It's weird, but it, it kind of makes sense if you think well, about how, how the brain works. Especially if you think about Trevor's stroke. It's compact. It's quick. The, the release, the, the, the point from catch to release on him is lightning. And when he's got a bunch of time, it's not as, as fast because he's got a little bit more time to think about it. He's trying to maybe aim it a little bit instead of just, yep. just firing. When he fires, that thing is bottoms. And when, yeah. he, when he thinks about it a little bit, he, he kind of has had a little bit of struggle with that. So it'll be interesting to see if he can, uh, you know, working on that and, and see some improvement there um, as we get throughout the season. Um, yeah. Anything else catch your eye? Anything else? Are you, are you hinting at something that I'm not getting? Or no, are you no. Just, I'm just, you're, just, you're just fishing. Okay. No, okay. I'm just tossing. Like, uh, you know, this is 
we're recapping the first five games of the season. Um, yeah. I, I don't think we'll have one uh, next week, I wouldn't guess, unless we do one late after the uh, Cayman Islands tournament on Wednesday, because they play Monday, you know, they play Thursday, then they leave for the Cayman Islands. Uh, we've, we've had our last media availability until shootout week, I believe. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just yeah. picking your brain. You're the director of basketball content, Justin. And I'm I'm well, I'm relying on you for content when I ask you these questions. Anything you've been disappointed by that you've seen so far? Well, other than the dunks, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, the, I think just the same thing that the coaching staff would be. Uh, just some of the turnovers here and there. I think, although when you're playing at a faster pace and you're shuffling in some new faces, then you're probably going to have. I think they usually when they played a slower tempo that they wanted to be around 10 turnovers I believe was usually their goal somewhere in that range and probably going to be 13 think, this year yeah that's what I was thinking too 13 or 14 depending on yeah um, you know, 12 but, or 13 but he, 14 for yeah. me sounds like a lot like from like Mick Mick Mick's brain's gonna go 14 now that's not good enough <laughs> well either way that that's just something that's going to happen but but I but to see that the kids are listening and especially a guy like Kane, who goes from six turnovers to none from game one to game two. And he was really aggressive in game two. He was playing downhill off the bat. He got into the paint. He drew some fouls. He made a couple layups in, in the first half. So, and Mick talked about how he's just, he's so advanced in, you know, as far as cerebrally. Is that a word? I, I don't know. But but he just, uh, he understands at, a, at an advanced level. So it sounds like it's just a guy, you tell him, hey, this isn't, you're not going to play if you do this, and he'll say, "Okay, I'll fix it." But we'll have to see what happens in the Caymans because the the competition is going to ramp up a little bit. Uh, obviously, if they can get to Iowa, that'll be the toughest game they'll play yet. But but um, I don't know. I think I think they're I think they just from what you can see, they've got a ton of weapons, and and like I said before, the the lack of the liability, the guy that you don't really want to have the ball, is is the is the difference this year, and um, we'll just. They'll have a game tomorrow night where it shouldn't be much of a problem, but um, like Mick said, just work on different things as you're moving forward. Any uh, thoughts on Justin Jennifer and Nizier Brooks getting the start on uh, Monday night? Yeah, I think that there's a bunch of guys who can start. I think that – and I thought I thought this going into the season was that, that Kane and Justin would really just be interchangeable – I didn't think that – I knew there was a lot of talk about Kane going into the season that he was going to come in and be this incredible player, and you heard rumblings of this and that. But but I thought it was going to take him some time. And plus, you know, Justin's not going to sit down and just let him take all the minutes. And Mick talked about how hard Justin's worked. We've seen it firsthand in practice and, and obviously in some of the – you know, in the first few games. And as far as Nasir over Kyle, well – Again, that was another battle that we had talked about, and I don't know if it's if it's if it means one thing or another, but um, Nasir's worked hard, as Cronin said, and and I just thought I just think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Those two battles are really going to be fun because they're going to push each other, and you saw that both players who got demoted responded with they played much better. They they did they they especially Kyle as far as being more patient offensively. So. It's not not much of a surprise for me. I think we're just going to see different things like that all season. 
Yeah, I, I, to an extent, I agree. I, I, I agree with Mick uh, when he said today that, you know, Nazir is a guy that hopefully down the road is going to be starting a lot of games here. And you give him kind of a, a glimpse of that um, early in the season. Let him, you know, see how he responds, see how the bright lights impact him. And a lot of times that's just a comfort thing. The more comfortable you get with it, the better off you are. I, it's funny, a lot of times he's not a guy that really started much. And this is almost impossible to believe for a guy that's his size and is, as good as he is. He hardly ever started in AAU or high school in his, on his prep school team. Because they had Trayvon Duvall, and, and, and he was like the eighth or ninth best guy on his high school and AAU team. That's how good his high school wow. and AAU team was. You know, we always – there's a, I joke with the guys a lot because, you know, being out on the road, I've seen all their teams play, and there's always that, you know, internal argument of my team was better or my team, you know, my team had this, my team had that. And, you know, it's always like, well, I mean, if you look at it, Nas's team, he was like the eighth guy. So I might go with them. And I think we saw last <laughs> night when you were watching, if you watched Duke and Michigan State, Trayvon Duvall can kind of play a little bit. <laughs> that, 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 that kid can go. He's a lot of fun to watch. But Yeah, that was when I went down, I met you down in Georgia last year. He was the best player there yeah. that I saw along with uh, – Another guy that we'll we'll actually see down the road here is Chris Wilkes with UCLA. He's a hell of a shooter. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, but but yeah, you're right. And and so Nas, but he also did had the great story of when he he packed Josh Jackson trying to throw down a hammer in the open floor. Right. So best dunk I've ever seen. Best block I've ever seen. Best block I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> We've told that one before, so I won't bore yeah. people with it again. But. Yeah. But he. But he. Yeah. I mean. And that's the thing that's that's fun is that you've got guys making big strides in the off season like a Jennifer and, and a Brooks, and then you see freshmen coming in ready to contribute, not afraid. And uh, I mean, all four of them really, I, none of them are intimidated at least at this stage. Well, now we'll, we'll they'll be in some environments yeah. soon that they're going to have to. We'll see who's got the cojones, but but you like the the uh, the mindset coming in. I think, you know, with all those guys, one, physically, they're all ready. There's not, a, you know, Mamadou, maybe you look at him and think, you know, when he adds 20 pounds, he's going to be even better. But he's not physically underdeveloped right now, I, I wouldn't say. And, and Ellie's a, a man-child. And, and Keith and Trevor are both exactly what you think college wing-type guys look like. I, yeah. I, that the battle between those two over the next four years is going to be fun because I can tell you they get after like there's they they haven't uh, like fought yet but they scrap and, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of jawing back and forth between those two I I know already <laughs> Trevor's my favorite guy over the next four years I <laughs> love that kid I can't wait until he's he's allowed to start talking to the media after the uh, semester break. Oh my. Yeah, he's going to be entertaining. He's just fun, to say the least. He's fun. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a great personality. He's he likes to joke around, you know. And hats off to Darren Savino for for putting in the work on on scouting that kid and and putting in enough time to figure out. You know what? The grade on this this sheet says swack. He's he's much better than that. 
Yeah. He's much better than that. And uh Well think about yeah, think about the four well okay, so so Keith Williams is right on the fringe of the top one hundred. Uh Trevor's nowhere near L E L is nowhere near. And I don't uh, what was Mama do? Around one fifty? I think he was closer to two hundred. There you go. So and and Mick talked about it today when John Fay asked him, and he said you, you don't always have to hit home runs with recruits. You just want to hit singles, doubles, and you just don't want to miss on them. And he thought he went four for four with his class as far as being ready to play and playing above what they what people thought they would be and and physically, mentally, all that stuff. So and and they, they all seem to be diamond in the rough type of guys. Like all all four of them, except for Mamadou, I guess you would argue since he was going to go to UW, but the other three were not really on anybody's main radar. Yeah, I mean, that's what we talked about last week. Their eye for evaluating talent is really, really, really good. and it's Contrary to what certain fans think. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that jab no, in right. certain fans. Hey, yeah. hey you're right. Um, let's, let's talk about Cayman a little bit. Um, yeah. From the looks of everything... Buffalo should be a little bit of a stiffer test than what they've faced to date, but not something that should be a problem. Well, you're right, and they're pulling away right now from Jacksonville State. They're up by 11, and and, and I think what they've done, they, they've only given up 15 points in the first almost 12 minutes of the second half here. So what you'll see with them is a lot of length and athleticism and, and, and quickness on the perimeter. They play a really uh, aggressive man-to-man they really try to get into the passing lanes, and they've got some scoring too. They they like they like to drive. They've got a really good big guy. I mean, they will. I think they'll hang around into the second half for sure. I don't. I don't think it's going to be a walkover. That'd be my opinion. Okay. I, you think that? How? how think what? Should, well, let's let's quantify what de, what defines hanging around in the second half, like ten, fifteen point deficit. I'd say six to ten. I think. Oh, you I think, think that close. I mean, I'm not saying late. I just think that I think it'll probably be maybe somewhere between that at halftime. I think you see maybe up by somewhere between six and ten, and then and because I think Buffalo will will be the first. It'll be the first time that they'll have to be in the half court against a team that can defend and has size and athleticism and quickness and stuff. I don't, Buffalo doesn't pose much of a threat from beyond the arc. Uh, and, and they don't have, they don't, I don't know. They, they just like to drive the ball. So you could see some foul trouble from you see in the first half, which may keep it closer. So I don't know. I just think that athletically that they can, they can hang, they, they have enough guys who can put the ball in the basket that I think it, I think they should uh, give you see a pretty good game. That'd be my uh, guess. Round two. Richmond stinks. I don't know how that happened because they're usually pretty good, but Richmond stinks. So you got to think that's UAB. Yeah, more than likely. And and they, I don't, I haven't. I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't looked too deeply into them at this point. I've looked more into Iowa, but but I, I think it, I mean they'll be tough. They they've they're got gonna be the, athletic. They're going to be pretty yeah. long. And I think they only, I think they were a few years away, a few, um, a couple years away from when they got to the second round by beating, was it Baylor in the first round when they were a 14 over a three? So they might have a player or two left from that squad. 
I think that was 2015, right? Because, yeah. yeah, okay. Um, and then Iowa. Uh, obviously an interesting Iowa team because they lost their leading scorer. They brought everybody back, and people think that they're going to be improved, which is a rare kind of twist. Except for that stuff, kind of stuff can happen, like look at the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, exactly. I think I, I don't know what else he did other than – shoot pretty well from three and take a lot of shots. So maybe he was a detriment to him. I don't know. But, but I heard um, an interview with Tom Izzo and, and they asked him about the big 10 before the season. And he, he thought that Iowa was the dark horse. They do have a little injury issue with uh, one of their big guys. He's kind of like a six foot seven shot blocker named Nicholas bear. He was a little, he broke his pinky. I don't know if he'll play or not, but uh, he was, I think he was a, I want to say he was the sixth six man of the year last year. Yeah, I think he's out for a couple more weeks. Okay. Yeah, well, that's going to hurt him because that's a shot blocker. I think he averaged over two blocks a game last year. But they, I, what, I, what I know about them is that they've got a lot of depth. They've got some size. Um, and Fran McCaffrey's a, a really good coach, and uh, and he's got experience. So they, anytime you play a team who's been together for a while, you know they're not going to be intimidated. They're going to be a cohesive unit, and I think that'll be a hell of a game, and definitely a game UC needs to have. So just hoping that both teams get to that final. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that could be that could be a really good kickoff to this five game potential five game stretch, definitely four game stretch uh, that goes from the the day before Thanksgiving all the way through to uh, the third Saturday in December, and. We're going to find out a whole hell of a lot about this Bearcat team over those two and a half weeks, almost yeah. three weeks. A hell of a lot. Yeah, because especially when you, you factor in that, that the first one of the, the four-game stretch against the high majors is going to be at the Cintas Center. And <clears throat> as we know, that can be a very, very difficult place to play for Cincinnati, especially when you have two point guards who really haven't – I mean, Kane hasn't been at this level at all against a team like that and Justin hasn't played much against Xavier so you're really looking at just you know two pretty green point guards there going into that environment especially against a team that you know lost last year to the Bearcats so that one could be uh I don't I don't even I don't even know what to say about that one at this point I know what to say I'm I'm like I'm generally not all that excited for the shootout in terms of like Either it's a game that UC should win and all the pressure's on them, or it's a game that you're pretty sure that Xavier's better and you're just going to have to, like, get through it. Not to say that I'm not never you – know, I'm excited for the shootout because it's a huge event in the city of Cincinnati. But in this case, I, I don't know, and we'll get into this more as, as it approaches and we get a little bit, you know, uh, what happens with Xavier tomorrow night against Wisconsin yeah. uh, I think is going to be pretty telling. But I don't know that there's ever been a shootout with the two teams being damn near, like, elite. Like, usually one team's up, one team's a little down, or they're kind of both in the middle. But I don't remember – maybe you can correct me on this because you're a much better historian of these things than I am. I don't remember coming towards the game. You know, it's, what, two weeks away, two and a half weeks away. Where both teams, you looked at them and go, oh boy, they're both really, really good. Yeah, there hasn't been. I don't think there has been that I can think of. 
I mean, Xavier, Xavier, am I going to go? I don't know if I'm going to get my media credentials revoked if I go to that game. Well, I mean, uh, like you went, didn't you come last time and you just left? I, I, yeah, well, I was going to leave at halftime and then you see cut it to six real quick and I came back to my seat and then I left with maybe six or eight minutes ago and it looked like it just wasn't going to happen. Hello? <laughs> and I wished I hadn't gone because then I saw what the Synthos Center looked like and then I remembered what Fifth Third Arena looked like and I was even more unhappy and almost sick to my stomach that that's where they play. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't the best experience um, of my life, but I don't know. I, I, there's reason to be confident in the Bearcats and, and that game at this point. I think that uh, especially when you have Cumberland, who last year showed that he could just dominate the game and it, in a way that a Bearcat player really hasn't done against Xavier and since probably like Nick Van Exel or Danny Fortson. So you got him, and he's not worried about it. He 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 relished the challenge. So if the team follows that mindset, then you could definitely be confident. It's going to be a great game, I think. I, I'm I'm kind of geeked for this one because I think it's especially like shootout week when we do this and we do the skinny podcast. And I I'm sure I'll be on with uh, I'm on with with Mo every week on Thursday at uh, 3:42 which ends up being 347 because Mo is terrible at clock management. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure there will probably, there'll probably be a segment with Lance thrown in there as well. Um, it's, it, it's just going to be a lot of fun, I think, this time around because the expectations are so high. And I think this one, like, yes, this game is, is important for seeding purposes because in all likelihood it's going to be whoever wins, it's going to be a win against another top 15, top 10 level team. Um, but I don't think either team loses coming out of this thing unless something crazy happens. Because I, I think both of these teams could go toe-to-toe, play an amazing game, and, and walk off the court. And, and whatever the outcome is, they still walk out thinking both teams are really, really good teams. Yeah. Well, the Bearcats have not beat Xavier back-to-back since 94-95. So it's been a while. And... I don't know what it is about them. They just they just seem to get what they need to get in these games. So I'll make this statement. I'll say that if Cincinnati does win the shootout this year, that they that that is an incredible accomplishment, just for a lot of reasons. I, but but I, 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 I what do you I got? I got some I got some thoughts that I'm going to get into when we come back on this podcast in terms of um, the meaning of the game. Okay. And and if that is shifting. If if it, if it's going from Xavier's Super Bowl every year to now they're in the Big East and things have changed for them. I don't think it's UC's Super Bowl by any stretch of the imagination because they're not, you know, going all out. Think, you know, one game means everything. But for a long time, I, I think it, it did mean that to Xavier. And I don't think it does anymore. And I it think doesn't. You're, you're through the point where it did for a lot of those guys at X. Like, these guys have all played in the Big East for their whole career. Yeah, it, it, I, you're right. It does, I don't think it means that, and I do. Th- and last year I think it might have been a little bit on that level for Cincinnati, especially because they had lost three in a row and they didn't want the seniors I, to, to... To the seniors, yeah. yeah. I can see but, that. Yeah, but I think now it's just a hell of a college basketball matchup. Yeah, 
I, and, I think that's going to be the fun part. I think it's yeah. just going to be a really good game where two teams can go and, and leave it all out there. But we'll save that stuff. Yeah. I'll get yeah, into yeah. it more yeah. in depth yeah. as we get there. But I, I just wanted to plant that seed that I think maybe the, the meaning of it is shifting a little bit on uh, across town in Norwood. Agreed. I know that always angers some people when I say Norwood. The people that live in Norwood don't like being associated. The, the UC fans that live in Norwood don't like being associated with Xavier. I don't blame but them. I don't either. I, see, this is hard, Berg. For those that don't know, uh, my wife's been sick. We started a, a GoFundMe page. Uh, not going to overly plug that, but if you want to, you can find it on my Twitter and on my Facebook, at uh, Chad Brendel. I, I, the Xavier fans have been very generous. Very, yeah. very, very generous. And uh, I think even one name that showed up, I won't mention it, but one name showed up that is on the Xavier roster. I think one of their parents donated wow. to my wife's uh, uh, fund. So I, 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 I guess I have to have a soft spot now. Like I, It's made me question life. I've had to question life today, Bert. I'm not going to lie. No, it's a touching thing. You showed me one of them and it is you know what rivalry aside and hatred for xavier aside it just yeah i mean it, that's a touching thing that that you can uh maybe you have a different outlook now on the crosstown shootout i, I well, won't I, I think my crosstown shootout outlook is probably always going to be about the same but maybe in the other games i'm a little softer maybe they've they've warmed my heart a little bit huh you might I actually pull them. for them in another game my cold black heart. I don't know. Like I don't know if I'll pull for him, but maybe I won't root against him. Okay. Like baby, like baby I, steps. See, I don't. This, yeah. We've got forty I, years of history here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to do this one step at a time. But maybe they, they warmed my heart to the point that, that I won't like, like pull for him to lose all the time. Man. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I'm having an existential crisis all day today, Berg. It's been, it's been heartwarming. It's been. It's been amazing for myself and my family, uh, the support from not only Cincinnati fans, but Xavier fans and everybody else uh, that, is, that has come to uh, my wife, you know, uh, help assist my wife's needs um, as we're going through a very difficult time. And maybe it's, this whole thing is going to make me soft. I don't know. It might. If it does, I'm, it does, man. I'm worried for my, no, mental, no shame. My, 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 my mental well-being is in question right now, Justin. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm just uh, all. Uh, I'm kidding for I most know. of that. Yeah. I, I, but um, I, I have had a had a crisis over how to deal with all that. My my emotions are are mixed now, and they've never been mixed on Xavier before. <laughs> <laughs> but you got anything else, brother? No. Let's just uh, get get through this Coppin State yard, and then we'll go uh, see what they can do against some better competition in the Caymans. Oh, All wait right. a minute, wait a minute. Buffalo, only a five-point game with four minutes to go. I better let you get back to that. Yep. I appreciate right. it. Dad, update the message board on what happens. Give him your thoughts. I will. <laughs> All right, man. He's Justin Berg. Thanks to Dave Simone for joining me in the first portion. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.